no matter what your role is, no matter what grade level you teach, no matter what content area, anything at all, I would invite you to have a conversation with the students you have, whether it's a small group of four students, if you work with small groups during your instructional day, or if you have eight different classes of freshmen throughout your entire day, take a group of students and have a conversation with them about the languages in their homes. Welcome to the Teacher Goals Podcast. This is your host, Erica Terry from Healthy Wealthy Educators. And I'm so excited to collaborate with Teacher Goals to bring you a weekly show that equips educators with best practices and actionable strategies to achieve success in the classroom and foster a more connected and empowered school community. Here, we learn by engaging in honest discussions with innovative teachers, administrators, and educational leaders. Are you ready to achieve your teacher goals? Of course you are, so you're definitely in the right place. Let's get started. Our classrooms are filled with diverse learners, many of which speak different languages, languages that you yourself may not understand. If you've wondered how to engage and communicate not only with your multilingual students, but also their families, if you've ever questioned how you should allow them to communicate in your classroom, communicate with you, communicate with other students in the class, then you are definitely in the right place because in today's episode, our guest Carly Spina equips you with actionable tips and strategies that you can use to engage your multilingual students and their families. Hey, 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 this is your host, Erica Terry from Healthy Wealthy Educators. Super excited to be back for season two of the Teacher Goals podcast. This lineup that we have over the next couple of months, let me tell you, fire, and it starts today. But before we get into today's guest, if you are not already rocking with us and showing up to these interviews live, then I want to encourage you right now to go follow us at Teacher Goals on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. Or if you want to get even more engaged into the community, then join the Teacher Goals Facebook group. There you will find us hanging out answering your questions. And then every week when our guests show up live, not only do you get to hear the interview, but you also get to get your questions answered by the actual experts. How amazing is that? Yes, every single week we show up and record these interviews live so that we can engage with you and make sure that we answer your specific question. If you're not already engaged in our community, then just search at Teacher Goals and you'll find us. I cannot wait to meet you. And I also can't wait for you to hear this interview. When I say that Carly showed up and showed out, y'all, she inspired me not only as an educator, but also as a parent. So if you have students that speak different languages, then tune in 
and get your pen and paper ready because she is sharing actionable strategies that you can implement. And we even talked about strategies that you can implement beginning tomorrow in your classroom to meet the needs and engage and build community with all your students, including your multilingual students and their families. So let's jump right in. Love that you all are here rocking with us. So thank you so much. I'm so glad and excited that you are here. And now, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring Carly up so that we can I get the talking and really getting into the strategies tonight. So here she is. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be on here tonight. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yes. So this is one of our most popular uh, speakers, presenters from the Teacher Girls Conference. She really rocked the house. And I'm super excited to just have you on. I love learning from you there. And I'm excited about learning from you tonight. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so pumped. (laughs) Yes. And so we are going to just dive into you telling us about who you are and what you do. How did you get to the place where you not only teach the strategies, but you have a whole book about how to move beyond. And we're going to talk about moving beyond the newsletter but really how to engage multilingual learners. So how did you get here? So, um, well, I have been in multilingual education for a little over 15 years. So I served as an EL teacher or English learner teacher for several years. I was also a third grade bilingual classroom teacher. It was the most fun <laughs> ever. Really incredible third graders that I got to serve. Um, and then after that, I served as a district-wide multilingual instructional coach. It was the neatest role and it was brand new to my district. And it was so much fun because I got to work with everybody in the school system, every grade level, every role, every stakeholder in the school ecosystem. It was so cool. (laughs) And now I am uh, a multilingual education specialist for a nonprofit in Illinois called the Illinois Resource Center. And we provide professional learning and support for educators, for leaders, for teams, teachers, everybody. (laughs) Not only in Illinois, but everywhere. (laughs) Yes, love it, love it. And we are going to get all into those strategies tonight and, you know, really dive in. But before we do, kind of share your story with us. So how did you get to the place? Like each of us has a story, right? There's always that classroom incident or something happened where the light bulb came on and it was like, not only am I going to perfect these strategies for myself, but I can teach others how to do this too. So what was that moment for you? So I, I'm always like, I'm always inside of a professional book. Always. And I always have been. My teammates always called me like a professional nerd. <laughs> They're like, you need to read a fleppy book that's not professional. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't stop. So I was always, always reading lots of professional books, always attending conferences and just like fangirling over everybody. And I've always had this passion for serving our multilingual learners and families and programming and community and all of those things. And I was at a conference and I heard Adam Welcome speak. And he was one of my favorite authors. And he was like, if you want to do something, just go do it. You don't need permission. Just go and do it. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. And then I went home from the conference and I was talking to my teammate and I said, I really want to write a book. And she goes, then do it. It's like, 
oh, okay. <laughs> it was almost like I needed someone to be like, just go ahead that. <laughs> so I had been blogging for a little while, just like little things here and there, really for myself, just to like collect my thoughts and share some ideas and things like that. And so then when I finally sat down, it kind of wrote itself. I felt like it just all kind of came pouring out. And then I just started organizing just different thoughts and ideas and try to put it into different categories. And then it was done. <laughs> I love that you were, first of all, were inspired at a conference, right? But then you gave yourself permission. A lot of times we allow that fear of no one will believe me or who would listen to me, right? Who would actually implement strategies that I share? Um, And so I love that it took maybe a little bit of push from a friend, but I pretty much think you had your mind made up that you were just going to move forward and do it. So that is super in inspiring. And so we are going to jump more into the strategies from your wonderful book, I caught Moving Beyond for Multilingual Learners. And I know tonight we're going to talk specifically more about moving beyond the newsletter, right? So that newsletter is a common strategy, you know, that people use to engage their multilingual students and their families. And then a lot of times we, you know, convert it to Spanish and think that we've done our job, right? Like we did, it's in Spanish. What else, what more could you possibly want? So uh, what more? Share with us, how do we go beyond that newsletter in another language? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, I, you know, when I was in my undergrad, I felt like there was always a Band-Aid a solution to anything in education. And it was so interesting. And then as I started to become a practitioner and I was in the classroom and I was doing all these things and learning from my colleagues and teammates, I found that it was still very much like a Band-Aid system. Like, oh, you know, if you want family engagement, write a newsletter and send a newsletter home. And I'm like, right. but what else? Like, just because I send home a newsletter, it doesn't mean that I'm actively engaging the families that I serve. And I noticed that as I had conversations with inside and outside my district, educators, leaders, administrators, any role, they, again, felt really comfortable with that, like, just like it, like, oh, yeah, it's just the newsletter, just do that. Like, that, yes. that, that's the solution. And we would have conversations about, okay, well, what is real family engagement? What does that mean? Is that parental involvement? Parental involvement sounds very one way, like, how are you as the parent involved with me? Like, yes. I love the term. I love moving from parent to family because family is a more inclusive term. It represents any kind of caregiver, guardian, other family member who might not be a bio biological parent. Right. So I like the family aspect, but I also love engagement because like if you have an engagement ring, right, that implies there's a relationship. <laughs> It's a two-way street, right? It's not just like, how are you coming to me, but connecting with you. <laughs> yes, I, I've never heard that analogy. I love it. So if you hear me, I'll give you credit when I feel it. I love it. I love it. And so it's interesting because as we had conversations, they would like, many people would say like, oh, Carly, well, those parents, not even the parents, they'd say those parents are not involved. And when people said, they would say those parents, like, they're trying to put like a physical distance right between us and the school and that particular group of parents. Right. I and mean, it's so problematic. And when we say things like, okay, you know, if we're deeming a parent or a family member is not being involved, 
we're placing blame on the family rather than saying, what are we doing as the school system to actively engage the families? And many times we're going about it all wrong, right? We're not, if we invite families to a literacy night or a math night or whatever, many times how we invite the family is just, just in English and just in an email. Right. We're, we're disinviting anyone without a computer access or digital access, anyone without internet, anyone without literacy skills, anyone without English literacy skills. So we're disinviting a whole lot of our families and then we're calling them uninvolved. Like, so, you know, moving beyond the newsletter for me, that it was a chapter in the book about ways for us to really actively engage rather than saying, okay, how are you coming to me? So there's a few pieces that are in the book, a few different examples I can share. One was super, super simple. One was called Bus Stop Outreach. And this was so much fun. So Bus Stop Outreach was when we kind of got like the, from our transportation department, the morning bus route schedule and found out which neighborhoods the buses are going to pick up kids for the morning at what time. And we would organize a group of teachers and say, hey, whoever wants to meet in this particular neighborhood on Friday before school, let's head over there. Let's bring some donuts, you know, maybe get them all sugared up before they come to school. <laughs> but we brought signs that said, like, if we were the pandas, if that was the school mascot, we would say, we love our pandas. And we come with all these signs and just like start the day on a great note. And mm. it was cool because the families were coming out of their apartments and they saw all of these teachers there. In, in their neighborhood, right? We're right. not saying, here, come to us. We're saying, no, we're here. Start your day. Like, here, mom. <laughs> right. And it was just one simple thing. But when, when we got into our family's neighborhoods, that was a good moment to build relationships. We're coming to you, too. <laughs> yes, and I love it um, because it makes them feel not only welcome, but valued and truly a part of the school community. Versus like, I'm sending my child there, but now you coming to them. I love that example of the bus stop because it's like, okay, this is really our school community. Like these are our people, our family, our community. So I love that example. It was so neat too, because, you know, when we're in the neighborhood, we can see all the students we used to have (laughs) for their buses. And then we also get to meet the younger kids who are going to be coming to us in a few years. We could already start building that relationship and that friendly face of like, hey, we're here to, you know, (laughs) we're here to be a family. We're here to be a community. And it's just, it was really neat. Yes. And it's really like we're talking about going beyond the newsletter. And so it's also an opportunity to share about the exciting things that may be happening at the school and to invite them personally to attend those events. So I love that. I love it. And so what about some others? What's another? Give us another strategy that we can implement. So many times I feel like we get into communication habits. Like I am a text message person. That is how I communicate with everybody. But when I'm in the classroom, I almost felt, okay, I should only email or I should only do phone calls. But we have to really get to know the communication styles and preferences of the families. Because again, if all the, the only like district communication or school communication is coming through one channel or one avenue, we really need to step it up. Because many of our families say like, no, I'm not going to read the 12 page or what seems like a 12 page email from the district. But if they post it on Facebook and there's an infographic there, 
I will read that. So I always surveyed my family and said, what do you use most when you are talking to your friends and family? Right. That's what I want to become. I want to become an extension of your family. So if you text message with your sisters and your cousins and your, you know, your friends, like, let me know that. And I will send text messages to you and I can use Google voice and get my, you know, Google phone number, not getting my direct message or my direct number. But then I'm opening up those doors and saying, look, it's not about my preference and how I want to communicate what works best for you. And then it's also really powerful. I had a lot of good conversations with families over the years about Instagram. And this blew my mind. And it was like, of course, like as soon as I had these conversations, it was just like a big aha moment. Like, why didn't I think of this earlier? The families always said, when you send like a text message that has a picture, that makes it so much more real for me. I know exactly what's happening in the classroom. And then I was like, wait a minute, Instagram, right? Right. Classroom Instagram accounts. That was such a game changer for me and my students and my families because Again, if I'm doing a, you know, a classroom newsletter, this is what we did in science this week. This is what we did in math this week. Now it can include all these pictures. We could post all these pictures to our Instagram classroom feed. And now all of these family members have access. They have that window, right? And again, no matter what literacy skills they have in any language, now they have that instant connection. So I have an eighth grader at home and a fourth grader at home. So we're, we're in the days of like, what did you do at school today? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if their school posts something on their social media account, I can pull up that picture and say, tell me what you're doing here. <laughs> yes. More powerful and more real. And then it was even cooler because, again, as I serve families who come from all over the world, all parts of the world, they were able to have their grandparents and their uncles and aunts and cousins follow from wherever they were. So they also had that connection. Mm-hmm. It was really neat when a student said, oh, Mrs. Phoenix, can I post this picture? Because I did a good job on my math test. And I said, yeah, post the picture. And then his uncle from another country said, I'm so proud of you. Please tell my, I'm so proud of them. And it was just so cool. Yes, that is cool. That is cool. Because I think about you know, and so I'm learning so much because I I love these interviews because I learn as an educator, but then I also learn as a parent, right? And so I, you know, just in kindergarten, we're finishing our kindergarten year. And so uh, they send pictures like through class, dojo and stuff. And I've never thought about like my daughter gets so excited, like she'll look through to just see if she's in the pictures. And I've never thought to even say like, well, what were you all doing? Like using that as a window to talk about your day. So I love that. And then I love the fact that you were able to connect not just to the direct family, but families in other countries. I know my mom like would get so excited if she was involved in that, like her grandkids are her heart, right? So I love these ideas. So we are the Teacher Goals podcast, right? And so with that being said, when you think about, okay, goals that teachers can have that would help them truly to embrace these principles, these strategies that we've talked about tonight. What is a teacher goal that teachers can have that will help them to apply these principles in their classroom? So one thing I would say is, and this was like a big moment for me for learning, is I always almost abdicated responsibility when I felt like I wasn't equipped I would say something like if somebody was talking to me about input for a speech IEP on a particular student, I would say, oh, well, that's not my area of expertise, so I don't know, ask this person. 
But I really had to say, okay, wait a minute. Like, just because I don't have that endorsement or that specialization or that experience, like I can still equip myself with some knowledge, with some tools, with resources. I can get connected online to different folks so that I feel better equipped. And so I would say to any, anybody, I've had lots of conversations over the years with like content teachers and folks who say like, oh, I don't know how to serve multilingual learners because I don't have an EL endorsement. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> you don't have to. Like, of course, ongoing professional learning and growth and more courses and endorsements, all great. Like definitely pursue that. But you don't have to have something that's on your certificate that says like, you can do this. You absolutely can equip yourself, follow the right folks, ask good questions, and then just keep growing forward. And I'll always say this too. When I was early in my career, many people said like, oh, you have to be quiet for a few years because you're not tenured. Like, you don't know how we do things here, but like use your voice anyway. Yes. Don't let anyone tell you that you are not a change agent because you're not tenured or that you don't have the right advocacy tools because you've only been here two years. You can advocate, you can step into those roles, to those spaces as a change agent, and you should. Yes. Because <laughs> our schools need some changing. <laughs> I love it because with advice, yes, it is definitely on point for multilingual um, learners and engaging with our students and families, but this advice can apply to so many other topics. Like, being that change agent and really finding like, I don't want to call those teacher problems, I guess, but those every, I mean, there are challenges that exist in every school and district. And so really being that voice of change, that advocate, advocacy, and then implementing, not just being a voice, but also taking action and implementing those strategies so that you can be an agent of change, I think is so um, so amazing. And it can apply in so many different situations. And so that leaves us with the final question tonight, which is what is one action that our teachers, someone that is listening and maybe that they can implement tomorrow. So they're like, you know what, I need to do a better job myself of engaging with my multilingual students and their families. And so what's one action that someone that might be feeling that way that they can take tomorrow to start this journey? All right. So I'm going to say this. Any, no matter what your role is, no matter what grade level you teach, no matter what content area, anything at all, I would invite you to have a conversation with the students you have, whether it's a small group of four students, if you work with small groups during your instructional day, or if you have eight different classes of freshmen throughout your entire day. Take a group of students and have a conversation with them about the languages in their homes. So again, and like collect it and put it on a poster and like brag about it. Say, you know, how many languages do you have? Maybe it's just a language that you can listen and speak in, but maybe you can't read and write it. That's okay. That still counts, right? Right, right. And, and write it all down and then put that poster like, wow, we've got 14 languages in this space. How cool is that? Put it on a poster outside of your classroom door so that everybody in the school and when you have visitors or when families come in, they can see how proud you are of the languages. And then now that you have that understanding and that awareness, now you can actively incorporate it into your instruction. Multilingual word walls and all of those things can start happening, but it starts with that conversation. And get the kids thinking too about like, oh my goodness, like 
I have language skills and assets and gifts that are welcome in this space and that are celebrated in this space. <laughs> yes. And that's what I loved about this idea is that it celebrates something that depending on their experiences, it may be something that they've tried to hide or shield. And now all of a sudden they walk into a classroom and not only is it a safe space, but it's a space where we embrace this and we celebrate it and we share it with people outside of the classroom. And so I definitely could see this just taking off like what teacher wouldn't see that poster and be like, I, I need to create that for my class. I love it. Love it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so for those that may be just hearing about your book, Moving Beyond for Multilingual uh, Students, or hearing about you, tell us, where can they learn more about you and find you? So I am most active on Twitter. So you can find me at Mrs. Fina's class is my handle. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. So you can find me on any of those platforms. And I love it's like my jam to talk with people about serving our kids and our families. So yes, please reach out. Let's stay connected. And I'd love to learn and grow from all of you as well. Well, we are so excited that you are here and I have learned so much tonight and I'm looking through the comments right now and our audience members are excited and saying how much they have learned as well. And so I just want to say thank you. We appreciate you and we are so glad that you're here. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you. Thanks so much. I told you, fire, like such a great interview. And I want to know, what was your favorite takeaway from this interview? If you create a post, be sure to tag us at Teacher Goals or tag me personally at Healthy Wealthy Educator so that I can find out what you're planning to take from this episode and actually implement in your classroom. I cannot wait to see how you're going to grow in your relationships with your multilingual students. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We value and appreciate you. And thank you for all that you do for our students and just as a contributor to the field of education. We appreciate you and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning into the Teacher Goals podcast. Here are three ways that you can engage with us and join an amazing community of educators. First, subscribe to the show in whatever platform you're tuning in on. Second, be sure to follow us and join the Teacher Goals Connected School Communities Facebook group so that you never miss our live recordings and the opportunity to engage in a live Q&A with our weekly guests. Last but certainly not least, I'd love to hear your favorite tip from today's show. Leave a review or snap a pic and create a post tagging at Teacher Goals and me at Healthy Wealthy Educators so that we can check out all of the great things that you're doing to achieve your teacher goals. Teacher Goals and Teacher Heart Out is sponsoring a 2023 Bahamas cruise open to all educators. Guests such as spouses, family, and friends are also welcome to attend. There is an amazing lineup of speakers, and you can book your PD at sea now by putting down a $200 deposit. Attend the Sail Away Party Thursday, July 6th in Port Canaveral at 6 p.m. in preparation for Cruising Friday. You will return Monday, July 10th at 8 a.m. Scan the QR code now to sign up. You don't want to miss it.